Hello, everyone. You're listening to Future Chain, your source for thought leadership on new technologies in supply chain management. I'm your host, Megan Cunningham. Our Future Chain team has worked with AI, ML, NLP, and predictive analytics applications in industries from advertising to telecom. We're going to talk about all these technologies and how they bring value to supply chain management. We'll also discuss the overall evolution of SCM. Our guest today is Sakat Sarab, the co-founder and CEO of Nexla. Nexla is an enterprise data platform with the mission to make data ready to use for everyone. They do this by bringing automation to data engineering tasks like integration, preparation, and monitoring of data. Some of Nexla's notable customers include LinkedIn, DoorDash, Poshmark, and Bed Bath & Beyond. Recently recognized for its innovation and modernizing enterprise data and operations in the channel company's Big Data 100 for 2022, Nexla has also been called a cool vendor by Gartner. Sakit, welcome to Future Chain. We're excited to talk with you. Uh, First of all, I'd love to ask you, how did your passion for data integration begin? Hi, Megan. Thank you so much for having me here. It's a pleasure. Um, I would say that um, some of my um, passion in this really comes from what I would say is a a fundamental obsession with technology. Okay, I'll admit that here. Um, (laughs) And it's all about understanding the nuts and bolts of complex systems. You know, that's what I I did as a CS student. And um, that actually translated into um, a focus on, you know, computing systems. I was at uh, companies like NVIDIA. Um, right. And it, and yeah, and that actually did not intersect with data until I was actually in business school. And mm. it was during um, my MBA program at Wharton, which is actually a very deeply technical program in like finance and operations and marketing. Right. And that's where, yeah, that's where I think the math geek in me sort of <laughs> loved this new perspective of seeing business through a data lens. And I, you know, I sort of got drawn into that um, insight of the world of data into it. Okay. Excellent. Um, yeah. Wonderful. And I would add that uh, thereafter, I ended up starting a company um, in the world of uh, mobile advertising back in 2009, when that space was very early, uh, leading me into the deep end of data. Wow, what a, what a journey. Um, another thing that I have learned recently about you is that you've had some experience working with the World Bank. Would you be able to talk about that with our listeners? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I think when I was in business school, uh, and even now, you know, I've always been like deeply drawn to social causes. So uh, it turns out that in 2008, I was, um, you know, through the first year of my business school. And in the summer, I was fortunate enough to land an internship at the World Bank. And um, I was based in Delhi. And a lot of my work there was focused on agricultural insurance in India. And it turns out that, yeah, uh, it's a huge thing, actually. And I uh, had not known that space. Um, Insurance, of course, as you know, is very data-driven when we think about um, agricultural insurance. It is about conditions like weather and predictive events. 
and you know providing insurance to that so right. it was incredible yeah just seeing the work that we we were doing or trying to do at the time and how it it could impact like you know um literally <laughs> uh, millions and hundreds of millions of people um in the country so yes. yeah i you know i would say that it um it was such a delightful experience that sometimes I think I might still have been doing that actually. If it was not for my wife deciding to join an MBA program herself <sighs> in 2009, that brought me back again to the US. And uh, yeah, and then the, the course of life changed for me. Well, that's a very, very interesting experience. And I'm sure in some ways it still informs the work that you do today. And, and we're happy that you did come back here. Um, we're so excited to learn more about Nexla and your work. And I've noticed you have a very impressive set of case studies on your website. And we'd like to learn more about your product offering and platform by discussing how Poshmark used it and the ROI they received. Now, since Poshmark is a marketplace that aggregates buyers and sellers with siloed data sets, I imagine the first challenge was data integration. Would you tell our audience about this process and the challenges you faced? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, of course, this applies very much to marketplaces um, like Poshmark because they naturally sit you know, right between millions of buyers and sellers. Um, but the way we also think about this is that, you know, every business has to now think about data that is internal to their business. So for a Poshmark, that could mean, you know, uh, people using their application or visiting their website and, you know, looking at products and liking them and sharing them and commenting on them and all of that stuff that happens that, you know, leads to purchase and transactions, right? So there's a lot of data that companies have internally, you know, but then, almost every company is, has a huge ecosystem of tools and partners and customers and suppliers and everybody else that they work with, right? So think about someone like Poshmark, um, a, you know, a common tool that a lot of companies use is a customer support system. They're not gonna build that on their own. They go buy a customer support system so that they can attract uh, questions, issues from customers and, and support them, right? Uh, another one is like, shipping packages you're tracking them you're going through different carriers in different countries uh you know so uh, if you look at every aspect of business there is data that mm -hmm. is coming in and naturally integrating that data becomes important okay and i think that it has become even more important today because companies realize that if they could you know look at the data that they have internally you know like um who is uh, visiting my website, who is using my applications, you know, what products are they liking, and then correlate that with other data, like, you know, who is requesting certain types of help or support or seeing issues with their package or delivery. And if you bring that all together, you can actually exactly. look at business, yeah, in a much more fine-grained and way versus trying to take reports from five different systems, put that up on your screen and figure out what's going on because now you don't have that connectivity uh, of information. So integration becomes almost essential to, um, as a foundation, you know, if you will, for many other things that you do in the company. Right, right. Actually, that leads into very well one of my next questions, which was going to ask you about how integration makes analytics better for companies mm -hmm. and what it makes possible in, in, in terms of analyzing. Um, 
I also would like to ask you, how many formats do you have to work with in a marketplace? Yeah, so, um, you know, there are, uh, there are sort of four, three aspects, which we, I would say is the sort of triangle of complexity with data, okay? Um, it's the formats. So mm -hmm. formats could be different mechanism of or you know ways in which data is represented. You know, it could be in a document, it could be in a spreadsheet, um, it could be you know uh, a structured JSON object and API. Like there are different ways in which data can be formatted. Um, that is one one aspect of the triangle. The other aspect is what are the data systems? You know, customer support and supply chain systems and point of sale and all of those systems. You know that in an e-commerce would would make sense. And then the and then the third triangle of complexity is the velocity of data. Some systems are very real time. For example you go and you say you ordered a product and you get a website, you know, email saying, here's your order. And you click on the track my order button. Now that data is real time. It's based on like, where is the package currently? Okay. So that is a different velocity than saying that I'm going to look at my daily sales report and see what's happening. That's more like, you know, once a day. Okay. Right. So these three things, the format, the system, um, you know, and, um, the velocity to create that complexity. So to answer the question, we actually cover a very, very wide and almost complete range across all of those three, okay? And um, that's actually one of the things about us is that our approach to data technology is so fundamentally new. It's so innovative. It's built on fundamental intelligence that we can derive from data. And that's why, you know, when you mentioned we are a cool vendor is actually because of that reason. So we end up, sometimes people are surprised, like how could you support that many things? Right. Uh, and we're like, well, we just do it differently. You know? <laughs> well, here's to being different. That's excellent. Can you talk a little bit about what data streaming is? Yeah, yeah. I mean, as I was saying, right? I mean, traditionally, a, you know, a lot of data analysis or analytics has been done periodically, right? So as I said, daily, you want to see uh, a dashboard of sales, right? right. Okay. So that um, is when you go every day, you fetch data. That's like batch is what we call that, okay? A batch uh, happens every day. Uh, but now think about some operational scenarios, right? So, you know, as, as you mentioned, one of our customers is Bed Bath Beyond. You, know, you go to their website, you search for a product, you like it. And you can do two things. You know, you can say, ship it to me, or you can say, is it available at a local store? And the moment you say, is it available at a local store? How are you getting that? It's because the inventory system and the point of sale system and the data flow between them to the website that you're going is all done uh, continuously. It's not happening once a day. You know, that availability of that item in that local store might be three units in the morning. It may be two units in the afternoon. So this is happening, which is what we call a streaming, which means that the connectivity of data is flowing. You know, think about taking buckets of water and moving it in batch versus, you know, just a stream flowing through right. on a continuous basis. So that's where streaming comes into play. And what we are finding is that um, if you bucket data use cases into broadly three things, you know, one is analytics looking back at how business is doing or looking back at data. Uh, the second is predictive or data science, which is like trying to take that historical information and say what's going to happen in the future. And then the third is operational. Operational meaning, is this product available? Is this order tracking and stuff like that? We find that more operational use cases are slowly becoming um, streaming. And we actually saw that happen uh, during COVID, um, you know, 
if you remember, right? I mean, toilet paper would run out and come in the morning, it's gone in the afternoon. Exactly. So the whole, yeah. So, you know, our customers like DoorDash or Instacart, you know, they deliver products. Now, you can no more rely on every day I will get a report of how many, what products are available in the store because now it could be gone in, in hours. So you now have to start immediately thinking that, you know what, the thing that I was doing once a day in batch actually mm-hmm. needs to become you know, streaming and real time. And versus, real time. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It just ever evolving. Wonderful. Thank you for that answer. What is the interface for engineering if hard coding is not required? Yeah, I think, um, you know, coding has been the interface to data um, for most of our, our history of working with data. And, um, it was done by you know IT and engineering teams. You know when we say ready to use data, somebody is writing code and making that data ready to use. So it's delivering that data to you in your dashboard or in your spreadsheet, right? But somebody's doing all that work of connecting data from all these different systems and putting that together, right? Um, what we have to recognize now is that today everybody needs to work with data. You could be you know, doing recruiting at a company um, in HR and you need to work with data. You could be doing ads and marketing. So every function needs to work with data. So that's one part. And just like everything else, data has this 80-20 rule in the sense that most 80% of these use cases or problems can be prepackaged and become no code. So when you ask about hard coding um, for engineering, our whole approach is get most things to become no code and easy for people. So most people can go use it and not be intimidated by that. Okay, however, there will be 20% of use cases that are complex. They cannot be just handled uh, based on past you know, patterns. And there, there are three things come into play. One is intelligence, like what we do is like, can we intelligently understand things that alone cannot solve all problems? Then comes low code. Can you write a little bit of code, five lines, 10 lines, and make something happen uh, in a big ecosystem? So, you know, most of the things, like I can read the data, I can process it, I can, you know, um, you know um, analyze the data, but I need data validation and I need to write, you know, three lines of code, you know, to create a data validation rule. So that is low code, for example. And then the last bit is, a platform. So this is where the engineers come into play. So when you ask about the interface for engineering, right. the, the interface we offer to them is, um, and we believe that's kind of a good way to do that, is to give them a platform. We say that, hey, a lot of things are already taken care of by the platform, like managing credentials, having streaming frameworks, being able to scale performance. But if you're an engineer, you can actually write code, leverage these primitives, and solve the business problem or the thing that you're looking at, but do that a lot more efficiently, a lot more reliably. Um, So yeah, that becomes the interface, which we call as the platform. The interface becomes APIs. The interface becomes an SDK that, you know, for example, is the case. The interface is also what we call as command line tools, things that allow you to take, you know, our power and capability into, into command that you can insert in other places or run programmatically and all that stuff. Excellent. Excellent. Um, what levels of errors are you seeing from your data monitoring? Um, I'd say, I mean, our job in terms of monitoring is to just, you know, just like the news, like report what's right and what's wrong in those cases when we're monitoring. 
Um, it very much depends on the underlying quality of data, which then depends on where is the data coming from, right? And uh, generally, as you can expect, data that is generated by machines, you know, for example, you know, you bought a product and a tracking number was generated for that from a package provider like a UPS. Well, those things are programmatic or automated systems. There is usually not a lot of data error in there, but when there is human entry in there, right? There right. you will see uh, errors happen. Now, don't get me wrong. Even programmatic systems have data errors. And the primary reason for that is that um, the systems get programmed, right? So for example, again, if you think about a package being delivered, in this case, uh, you know, your, um, um, you know, your engineer went in and wrote some new code and said, you know what, so far, when we track packages, we say the date it was shipped and which places it at and all that stuff, I'm going to add some additional information in here. And, you know, um, I'll try to enhance that capability, right? Um, maybe, um, you know, um, we get GPS location in some places, you know, sometimes we get the GPS location of the truck so we can tell actually where the package is like right at this moment. Okay, let's say that's what they're trying to do. Now, you know, what happens in those cases? When we program new systems, when we update them, there are often errors that happen. Turns out that, you know, um, some of the error is happening because um, the, the particular truck doesn't have a GPS, right? And then the system may report some erroneous data or say that, um, you know, and you know, funny thing I'll tell you, the default, I think in um, most location systems is that if they can't find the location, it actually centers on this place in Kansas as a default GPS in US. And oh, that's, why that's interesting, yeah. okay. <laughs> and that's why sometimes, you know, when you look at massive months of location data and we saw that in the advertising world was that somehow you'll see there's a huge number of audience of people in this, you know, very small place in Kansas, what's happening? And you're like, oh, all these GPS locations are wrong. And that's why they all center on this default value in there. So interesting things happen, even with, uh, you know, programmatic data and, you know, ultimately, um, for monitoring, it comes down to have you observed the patterns of data to be able to trigger and notify the person that this looks like erroneous and sometimes it needs user intervention and sometimes right. it can be automated. Right. Yeah. And how does all that impact data integrity? Yeah, I mean, data integrity is, you know, 100% dependent on the quality of data and how you're using it, right? I mean, ultimately, let's say, you know, you see a sales report every day, the integrity of your report and what you're seeing is not just a function of what was, uh, you know, entered, maybe all that was correct, the data was fine, but some calculation or some analysis or something was off, right? I mean, you you connected at the wrong dates or stuff like that. So, um, you know, integrity is, I would say, in a big way a function of that, um, um, of what what is the quality of data and also, sort of figuring out how it's um, getting used. And there's a big effort right now going on today in the world of what is we call as lineage of data. Mm -hmm. Can we look at a piece of data and understand what journey did it take? Where did it start? Where did it go? What processing happened? Where did it come from? So that when we find errors, we can go back and trace that, oh, looks like this system somewhere is having this issue or this logic here is periodically making a wrong calculation. You know, I tell them this happens all the time, by the way. You know, some price entry in a product is say, you know, um, it's zero dollars and somebody did some calculation and then, you know, the results are inconsistent and, and just, you know, send, it's a 
you know, it, it's an error like that. So um, there is a huge amount of stuff happening on Lineage. And I think we are, we might be the only company or one of the few that is able to give that Lineage insight and of, of, for every record. Normally people have that insight about big blocks of data, but right. not at one individual piece of data um, to be able to trace it at that level. So we are able to tell people like, oh, this, this data piece actually comes from this API call or from that line in that file. And it has been through this journey. And um, so if you are going to say uh, um, a DoorDash and you say the price is wrong or something, or the image is wrong, we can actually trace it back to like, where did it originate? Did you get the wrong data in the first place? maybe from someone or was there some processing mistake in between? Well, that's very powerful information for your customers. Uh, back to talking a little bit about your specific experiences working with Poshmark. Yeah. How, how many more insights would you say uh, that Nexla delivered to Poshmark than the company might've generated without using the solution? Um, I mean, um, what we do is we make the data ready to use and it ends up in their data warehouse and the tools and they do a lot of stuff with that. So I wouldn't exactly know where all the data is eventually getting used. We are not sort of in, in, into that, but we do hear from our customers like at Poshmark, like what have they been able to do? And one of the key things that they were able to do was you know, um, plug into the customer support system um, and get a of very fine grain event level data from that and really be able to understand, you know, um, where are their services performing really well? Where are their areas of improvement? Um, you know, who can solve what kind of problems better than other people when it comes to a support question? Uh, and then be able to connect all of that into, um, you know, how is all of this impacting customers um, behavior, their loyalty, and and their lifetime value, and all that stuff. So, uh, it you know in that line alone, when I said that, it like multiple places. Lifetime value is one part. You know, um, assigning agents to support support issues is another part. Um, you know, um, there are many um, in many areas, but I wouldn't have an exact count. Uh, but over time, what we have seen is that um, you know this was on the early use cases. Over time, more and more places. That right. Once our system, you know, people learn that and say, hey, wait a minute, I was able to do this. You know, I was thinking about this idea and I was thinking it'll take maybe months to get that, get that done. But now I could just do that in a couple of days or even a few hours. So that actually opens up people to just using our, you know, our, our system in more places. And then over time, as I mentioned, there's been, you know, everything from internal uh, enterprise systems, which is, um, you know, how they run and manage their business to, uh, marketplace to order tracking to you know things like you know data that drives marketing um, um, as well for example sending emails seeing you know are they delivering or are not you know all of that data um, you know gets mm -hmm. wired in Really excellent. Yeah. I, besides being, you know, incredibly time-saving, I'm sure for many of these processes with Poshmark, I'm wondering if you could describe one of the ideas generated by Poshmark from the flow of data pipelines, anything from analysis to insights to decisions? Um, yeah, I think, um, you know, certainly on, you know, the specific one that, you know, um, we cover in our case study is about how they, um, 
have been able to understand and improve the customer support aspect of it. Um, I'm thinking what other ideas have come across mm -hmm. that. Um, I would say certainly um, I mean, certainly the, you know, some of the ideas have been around the marketing side as well, right? In terms of the effectiveness oh, of email campaigns. Yeah. Let me right. think about what we are publicly allowed to share. I'm also want to, you know, make sure that, um, you know, we, we do get used in many applications. Some of them are, are sensitive to business. So of course, uh, of it, course. Yeah. Okay. Of course. On kind of a general level, do you think that executives just in the marketplace will continue to use spreadsheets or obviously when there are more robust reporting yeah. tools out there? I, you know, I think let me say that um, people will continue to use every tool that they have and new tools will come and old ones will stay. Okay, that's been the state of technology in general. But spreadsheets in particular, uh, you know, while we think of them as, you know, like a very um, basic tool because they've been around for such a long time, right. they are incredibly powerful, especially for executives. You actually see more and more that executives eventually want to see the data in a spreadsheet because one thing that spreadsheets allow them to do is to do scenario analysis and modeling. So, you know, you can look at a report and say, hey, this is how things are like, but you're like, what will things be like if I made this change? And that has to be modeled. And the best way to model that uh, often, which is you know friendly to executives, is in a spreadsheet where you are able to pull that same data into a spreadsheet and give them a few variables to try out and 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 see what that impact is. So, I think spreadsheets are gonna be there. They are like, um, I mean, I, I you know, spreadsheets are an amazing piece of invention in the data space, right? I mean, they are. They don't require to be a programmer, but you can go very far in terms of what you can do with their built-in functions in terms of, you know, the flexibility that coding gives you, you sort of get that, yet you get that, you know, in a very um, non-intimidating framework. And, and for various reasons, almost um, everyone who has gone through certain levels of business function has ended up getting trained into spreadsheets, whether, you know, by working on it or whether even formally, like, you know, I, you know, I think I learned a whole bunch of web um, spreadsheet expertise in business school when we create financial models. Right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wonderful that we can, you know, continue to utilize tools that we're familiar with as well as new solutions. And on that note, what does data integration make possible in terms for, of artificial intelligence? Oh, artificial intelligence is like, um, you know, just feeds on data, you know, the raw material for that whole uh, innovation and, and all that, you know, sort of the rocket ship that people are trying to build powered by AI is, is hugely dependent on data. And we have seen that actually, you know, um, one of the top three banks in the country is the next customer. Um, and they have built an enterprise-wide AI platform with Nextla as the data stack. And you, one of the things that happens with that world is that, it is a world where you experiment a lot. Uh, you have to try various ideas and see sort of what fits in and what's what is high value. And for data scientists, turns out that, you know, for example, let's say, you know, you are you know, trying to predict your sales or something uh, in the coming six months, right? I mean, there are changes in economy, there are changes in, you know, patterns and all that stuff, right? 
Now, you can't do that prediction, let's say, for the next six months based on last six months of data, because last six months uh, or last year, for example, the same six month period was slightly different. You know, more people were at home. Um, they were not out there. The economy was different and so on. So when we think about data scientists, they are constantly thinking about, um, hey, is this a good idea? Could I combine maybe census data to see if this makes my model better? Could I take a look at travel data and then try to predict you know, how people will end up buying my product or not? Because if they're traveling or on vacation, maybe they're not shopping. So there are so many ways in which you have ideas and all of them ultimately depend on, can I grab that data, bring it into my, my system and look at it together? And uh, I'd say that for, for many data scientists, they have uh, found that the hard truth is that they end up doing a lot of work or a bulk of their work becomes trying to integrate data, trying to bring it into one place, trying to make it in the right format so they can use it, trying to extract the features from that and trying to put that training data and all that stuff. And um, you know the, the things that we, we do, we're constantly finding that becomes like an accelerator for people. And instead of saying, well, you know, instead of trying this and seeing whether it works or not and spend months doing that, I can actually do that like, you know, in two days. Amazing. Amazing. So on that note, my last question for you today, Sakat, is who do you think benefits most from Nexla's solution? Engineering or data science or the executive suite? Yeah, it's a it's a whole chain, right? So the way we think about this is that number one, today engineering is the one who has to deliver the data in a ready-to-use, you know, form for the different users, right? Analytics, data science, and everybody they are the initial beneficiaries. They are able to today tell people like, hey, I don't have to be the bottleneck for everything. I don't have to solve all of these things. You can go use this tool and most of the things that you're asking me for, you can now do it on your own. So you have suddenly empowered that person to not be dependent and remove that one big piece of friction and back and forth, okay? So that's you know absolutely the number one person who benefits. The downstream effect of that is that now that this person is not waiting on an engineer to find that data to apply it in their model, now they can do their job faster and better. They are not waiting for most of the things. And then sort of that that um, benefit sort of flows further along in that organization, right? Um, so that's how we see it. it's all interconnected. It's not like one sort of team in one silo is just doing this and nobody else is impacted. Right, right. Well, very impactful for the entire organizations. I want to thank you very much, Sakit, for joining us today. And thanks to you, our listeners. Please visit your favorite podcast platform to subscribe to Future Chain and give us a review. Also, feel free to email us at info at futurechain.org with any feedback, questions, or guest suggestions. We're building a resource for you. Until next time. Thank you, Megan. Thank you. Yeah, great job, both of you. Um, uh, Socket and Megan, I, uh, I'll make a suggestion. I know, Socket, you want to check.